Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The first recorded snowfall that happened in June happened in London, England. Oil is pumped for the first time in the North Sea oil field. And after a prolonged liberation struggle against the Portuguese, Mozambique becomes an independent country. This is June 1975, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Ryan. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce brings us with us. Fun classic album. What you got, Bruce? Guys, I have a question for you. Just one question. Yes, what would that be? I thought we were. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you liked me, Bruce. Why can't we be friends? We're more than friends. (laughs) Well, there are some. Some of your habits irk me, but I won't go into that. (laughs) This this is a song. That we really need, I think, as polarized as things are today. Yes. I think this would be a good song for us. So agree. This is the seventh studio album from the band War. And it, the title is Why Can't We Be Friends? This is the title track. The album went to number eight on the U.S. charts, number one on the U.S. R&B charts. And there were two singles that were nominated for the Grammy Awards in 1976. This is one of them. So the, one of the classifications that I that at least jumps out at me that's not mentioned is reggae. Yeah. This one is a hard one to, to, to pinpoint. Uh, that's What do y'all think when you hear war? What are the what kind of music do you think it is? Funky. I think it's reggae. Funky. Reggae. Funky, 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 funky. Okay. You too. You too. <laughs> okay. You're thinking, I think you're going in a different direction. That's the there, album Rob. war. <laughs> this is, it was a group that was very hard to, to kind of nail down the genre. They're Latin, funk, soul, R&B, rock. I, I heard some people call it progressive soul, which I thought, well, that's an interesting description. Yeah, that this is. song is definitely reggae, isn't it? Uh, it's my story. I'm sticking to it. The title is sung 44 times in this song, and it was played in outer space. <laughs> it was played, do you remember the Apollo Soyuz mission, yes. the test yeah. missions? Yep. They played this when they did that. Now, one thing I, I if you listen to the lyrics, they're really not, <laughs> they're all made up. It's like, I think they were just in there just going, hey, we're going to do Why Can't We Be Friends? And then you're just throwing lyrics in there. If you, I don't know if you've seen the video. No. The video has like every stereotype of a person that you can run into. It has, it has uh, a, uh, a, a Jewish guy playing checkers with an Arab. It has a black guy walking along with a Klansman. I mean, it's just like all kinds of these stereotypes. And don't forget it was on Mr. Jaws, the parody album. Yes. With Jaws saying this. Yes. <laughs> 
So the group, it was a, there were a lot of different folks in the group, and they had folks that moved in and out. But at the time of this album, uh, the group was Howard Scott on guitar, percussion, and vocals, B.B. Dickerson on bass, percussion, and vocals, Lonnie Jordan on organ, piano, percussion, and vocals, Harold Brown on drums, percussion, and vocals. He's beginning to get a pattern yeah, here. Yeah, a lot yeah. of drums. Yeah, those reggae bands will do that. Yep. <laughs> Papa D. Allen, conga, bongos. Wow. Percussion and vocals. Charles Miller on clarinet, sax, percussion and vocals. And Lee Oscar on harmonica, percussion and vocals. Ooh, somebody's on the guitar here. Yep. What? No drums? <laughs> oh, you'll get there. I just like this because this one is a little bit more funky than the average. I, I feel like it's it feels like George Clinton. Yes. Yeah. I can hear a little P funk. There's your steel drum. I think Brian has some there though. Retro reggae, maybe. Either that or the maybe some of the early fruits of the. You know, reggae. I visualize this group as like twenty guys on stage. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it was a big group. I mean, I, I named off what seven people. Yeah. So yeah, it was a huge group. But I'm thinking the same thing you are kind of when you say P funk. I have the same type of visuals in my, you know, a lot of instruments, a lot of percussion, yep. a lot of funky music. Yeah. I could, I could play that funky music, white boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they came out of Long Beach in uh, 1969. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where they got well, their start. I lived in a town one over called Hawaiian Gardens, and my sister was born in Long Beach. So yeah. I'm familiar with the area. There you go. So they were formed by a group of musicians that was backing Deacon Jones. And um, they had a goal from the beginning. Kind of, there was a message in their music to, to, to spread a message of brotherhood and harmony. And uh, to speak out against racism, hunger, games, gangs, and crimes. Did you say Deacon Jones? Deacon Jones. The, the lineman, off defensive lineman for the Rams, Deacon Jones. I'm... Kind of thinking it wasn't the same. Oh, okay, <laughs> but they may claim that though, Wayne. They may, they may claim that. Honestly, I didn't delve that far into it because they. What happened is they they actually got together with Eric Burden of the Animals. Yeah, that's where they the the original lead singer was Eric Burden, and the group was known as Eric Burden and War. So yeah, the first he, couple of albums you'll see it as Eric Burden. Yeah, and they War. had a had a hit song, "Spill the Wine." Right, right, and. Wayne mentioned this in a previous podcast, but they performed at Ronnie Scott's Club in London on September 16, 1970. And in the last half hour of the set, they were joined on stage by a guitarist named Jimi Hendrix. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he played in their set, and that was the last time he would play. He would be dead the next day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Burden left the group after the second album, and then they became known as War after that. I kind of ironic that they have Why Can't We Be Friends, but their name is War. Yeah, that's a weird name. <laughs> I think the first album might have been called Eric Burden Declares War. Oh, okay. So, the idea is it's, it's a war on... Um, racism and a war on violence and things like that. 
just, it, 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 I can imagine, you know, a British guy who brought up in, you know, the rock and roll of America and seeing the soul music that was coming out and, and the whole Motown scene and, 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 and Pennsylvania that he would come over here and go, hey, I need to have a group to back me up because I want to start something different than what I had with, you know, the, with animals. the animals. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So the lyrics to this song are about staying in the moment and not getting anxious about the future. So it's kind of a meditation. Did you say the name of this song, Bruce? Uh, I don't know. It's Heartbeat. Heartbeat is the name of the song. I just had this image in my mind that these guys are just sitting around jamming with a little herb on the side. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing some Prince in this so I, i'm i'm sort of like okay yeah. maybe he that was his one of his influences obviously he's just a few years later right but yeah, i can it hear that surprise me now did you decide to do this album after we did cisco kid a few weeks ago when we, yeah when we did cisco kid um that that was the first thing i said you know that's a group that i don't know much about you know and i didn't listen to war when i was when i was younger uh, and I just said, well, this is this is interesting. And, oh, really? Yeah. Because I, I had their greatest hits album. And, and, and truthfully, you're going to hear this, some other songs. You're going to know quite a few of them. There's probably at least five top 20 hits that they had wow. that, yeah. that are in there. And then obviously some other ones. But yeah, if you really like this, you know, download that greatest hits album. It'll be fine. It's interesting to me to think about the fact that, like you said, there's seven musicians here, mm -hmm. and we've covered bands that have had three. Right. You know, you got right. a trio, and and there's definitely a difference in just the richness of everything you hear right. when you've got seven people. It's much more of a band, isn't it? It's I, I call it layered. They, there's layers in this. It's sort of like Chicago. This is yes. the funk version of Chicago. And the Eagles. And the Allman Brothers. <laughs> but they all played guitar, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I just I thought this was just a neat group. And the, the, the way that they approach things, it was a very positive type of approach to things. But, you know, just, to, I mean, it's just different. It's not, it's, and I think that's maybe is why war gets overlooked over time is because they were kind of hard to pigeonhole. You know? Yeah. What kind of, what kind of music is this? It's, it's R&B, but it's not traditional R&B. And it's, it's rock, but it's not traditional rock. Well, they did cross boundaries. Uh, oh, we're going we're gonna to get to a song a little later, and people call it Chicano music. Right. And so, yeah, they. what's nice about this is it does show a transfer from the dour rock stuff that they had in the early 70s and stuff. We talked about Black Sabbath and everything. Things, mm -hmm. Times are hard and everything else. And by the time we got to the late... 70s things were like oh yeah we're gonna have fun we're gonna party we're gonna disco we're gonna you know right you know have studio 54 going on well and i think that was the thing i think at the time people were looking for that outlet and disco did it and funk did it and you know it was this you know be in the moment you know enjoy things and i think that the the 
record producers kind of caught up on that, and that's where you get the commercial disco of the late 70s. But right now it's the mid-70s, and, and you've got a little bit more authenticity, I think. So we just drifted into another one. This is the lead-off track to the album, and it's also another kind of a, a deeper cut. Still drums. Yep. Yep. Definitely got the Caribbean feel, doesn't it? It does have that peaceful, easy feeling, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's interesting that you should say that because the name of the song is not And I Won't Let You Down. It is Don't Let No One Get You Down. And the lyrics are an encouragement that the singer will always be there to lift you up. I mean, that's really a, a theme for this album, it seems like. Well, I mean, that was the that was kind of a, a part of it. This was a, a group with a purpose. Did they have that special purpose? <laughs> <laughs> and they found out their special purpose. Listen to that. <laughs> That percussion instrument in the background that's Oh, the like the scratcher yeah. kind of sound. And you can hear all these different um, percussion instruments. I'm still laughing at Brian. <laughs> <laughs> you might even want to explain that. That is so deep, some people aren't even gonna get it. Uh, you're right. Well our age will get it, but that's yeah. the special <laughs> purpose I'm referring to is from Steve Martin's movie The Jerk from nineteen seventy nine. So. And, and we'll we'll leave it at that. Yes. If you, you want to know yeah. more, you'll have to watch the <laughs> Go movie. Go watch the movie. It's worth it. And watch probably, it before it gets canceled and banned. And probably all. Yeah. came out around 1975. No, it's 79. 79. 79. 79. And Brian? Can't go wrong with the sax. It never can, sir. Well, they had trumpet <laughs> earlier, and they'll have trumpet in the next song, too. So Yeah, yeah. So yeah. War was most successful during the 1970s. And, yeah, as you'd mentioned, Wayne, they re released their greatest hits in 1976. And okay, right after this. Yeah, so you get this one. They, they actually had one new song on their greatest hits, but a lot of the other songs that they had picked up were, were on that. That's, that is a very good one for your collection. So, but I enjoyed this. I liked the idea of listening to the album because you get some songs that are, are you don't hear on the greatest yeah. hits, the deeper cuts. And all of these songs, these are longer than than your average, you know, single. It's not your three minute cut. It's uh, it's it's a bit longer. Like this one is four minutes, which is not long, but the the heartbeat was that was over seven minutes long. It's almost more like a jam band when you have it that is. many guys playing. Everybody wants to kind of do their little thing, and I would consider it sort of like Santana, but without that kind of Latin flair and more of a. You can hear the way they're singing this, that they're pulling from the Motown yep. time and singing that type of song. Yep. So they continued after the 70s. They had a lot of personnel changes starting about 1979. They had uh, folks that left the band, uh, folks that were killed. I mean, it was... Killed? They went through, yeah. Yeah, they had one that was uh, that, that was uh, killed in 1980. Wow. Um and the records became more sporadic after the early 80s. Um, but they had their last studio release in 2014. So they were around for, for a while. I'm sure they're still out there touring with, you know, the Temptations and 
whoever else. Or well, they had there. so many musicians yeah, there. You would, you would got assume the that uh, that they were that they had have something going it's on. Probably there. a hundred percent ghost band now. Well, I'd heard that uh, one of the members had the name, and the others went and formed a group called Lowrider, which is the name of this song. Ah, and this is the one that everybody has heard. Oh, who's not nodding their head to this? This is the big hit. It went to number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 and went to number one on the R&B charts. And what is this about? <laughs> oh, it's got to be a motorcycle. Uh, you think it's a motorcycle? A car that bounces. Okay. A 1963 Cervelle, probably, with a little uh, lined in fur on the, on the front Dashboard. end with, with chain <laughs> steering wheel. With the foot as a gas pedal and little dollies all around the thing. So, yeah, this was, hey, when I was in California at this time, yeah, there was tons of lowriders out there. Okay. But, you know, guys, we don't have to go very far because in the summertime, a lot, especially in Pigeon Forge, yeah, lots of lowriders come through town. A lowrider is a car modified with hydraulic lifts so that the wheels can be lowered and make the car bounce. Yep. And that's what they do. They just... I don't know. Initially, I don't know if it was initially. Initially, it was you lowered the, the shocks down so you actually rode real low. And you actually had curb feelers. Back in the day, people, you had to have something on the side of your car that would touch the curb yep. so you'd know what was there. So they would have these nice, shiny, chrome curb feelers yep. on all four sides near the tires so you wouldn't hit the side. Yep. But you, could, you couldn't drive anywhere. You, could, you couldn't go up a curb. Yep. And you can go over into a driveway or into a parking lot half the time without scraping the bottom of the car. And I remember, I could still remember asking my dad one time when I saw him for the first time and realizing and being able to remember it was, Dad, what are those? And he goes, that's what you call curb feelers. But it made perfect sense. Yeah. The, uh, there was a whole lowrider culture. Mm-hmm. And it still is. One of the things that I didn't realize, um, and you might know this, Wayne, from being from California, but there were limits to how low you could make those cars go. Legally, yeah, and the police would stop these folks and check. And oh, yeah. if they if the car was too low, they would impound the car. Now, I would suggest if you want to kind of see how it was originally, there was a movie that came out in uh, I don't know seventy eight, seventy nine called Up in Smoke. It was Cheeching <laughs> Chong, and there was a part in that movie where they were like smoking some uh, leaf, and it was like goes, man, what's in this stuff? Because well, it's part Maui Waui, but it got some Labrador, and he goes Labrador. He goes, yeah, my dog ate my stash. He goes, you mean I'm I'm smoking dog crap? <laughs> That's a great baseline, by the way. And oh, yeah. to that point, the 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 band maintains it was not about drug culture, but the song did make it into two different Cheech and Chong movies. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah, you be the judge. All right, Bruce. Well, thanks for bringing that. So now we're going to go on to our entertainment track brought to us by Monkey Wrench Brewing. And this one is going to build for a little bit. we got a little bit of time here. This is the first time I've heard of John Williams, and I actually about bought this soundtrack. So Did you really? Uh, so if you're listening to that and you hear the boom. I'm sorry, but that's still get, I can still let myself go back to the time when I watched this for the first time and scared the, the oh, Jesus out of me. Oh, people stop going swimming because of this yes me thank you jaws it was a summer block 
blockbuster before there were summer blockbusters. Uh, this was one of the highest grossing movies of all time at the time. Obviously, two years later, it would be supplemented by some guy, I don't know, George Lucas. Uh, about something some, like that. Some yeah. space cowboy movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Space cowboy. <laughs> Steve Steve Miller. Bet you weren't ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I distinctly remember this part in the movie where the girls out there skinny dipping, swimming at night. And then, you know, she gets attacked and then hangs on to a, one of those buoys out there and then finally... Yeah, you know. that's, it's oh, just yeah. still, that, 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 that's one of the, I've talked about impactful movies of our youth. Yeah. This one, by far, was the most impactful for me. Oh, and it's still valid today. You watch it today, and you're going, oh, you know, yeah, they don't have cell phones or anything else, but you watch it, you're going, oh, yeah. The special effects were really, really good. And when you think about how many times you play this song in your head or you're talking to somebody about something or, you know, your cat yeah. goes by the couch and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a few other movies that came out. Love and Death was a Woody Allen movie. I'd never seen it. I need to start looking at Woody Allen. Nashville, uh, directed by Robert Altman. I never saw that either. So, uh, But I, that was the one that went up for Oscars and things. I've been there a few times, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Blazing Stewardesses. <laughs> Blazing Stewardesses. It was a sex comedy, and it derived its name from the naughty stewardesses and Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, Sorry, yeah. I'm laughing yeah. so hard. All right, The Devil's Rhine. The sheriff awful. is a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He said the, the sheriff sh- is near. <laughs> <laughs> the Devil's Rhine was a horror film with William Shatner in it. And Doc Savage, I actually saw that was a campy Batman-type movie. But, uh... Sony introduces the Betamax, and Joker's Wild debuts. Oh, yeah, I remember that game show. Or ends, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was fun. But that's your entertainment from June of 1975. Now we're moving on to our staff pick. It's it's a guest pick. Guess whose pick this is. (laughs) Well, I should have known since it was mine, so (laughs) I'm bringing it. Uh, since this is one of Brian's favorite guys, yeah. I thought I'd bring Alice Cooper, and it'd be a good one for us to enjoy. We have Welcome to My Nightmare. Ah, those tender love songs. <laughs> guys, I can't tell you how many times people have asked, hey, how you doing? And I go, welcome to my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you were at Alice Cooper at a Halloween party a yeah, couple of years I did. ago. Yeah, exactly. This is the title song off the album. Alice Cooper, we talked about it before. We did Billion Dollar Babies. We've yep. done several other songs of his. This is glam metal. To my at its best. It's a concept album. Um, it's a, a, just about a journey of a child named Steven and talking about all his nightmares that he has. So, Brian, did you do Only Women Bleed? That's yeah, I may have done that as staff yeah, pick, yeah. That, that, was, that was on this album also and everything. And Brian and I actually saw him in concert, golly, yep. probably 10 years ago. At least, Cheap yeah. trick. And theatrically, you cannot go wrong going to see him. Once again, we talked about Greatest Hits. 
his greatest hits, yeah, you're going to know all those songs that he plays, and he does them in the theme of the whole time, and he has things come along, and yeah, this song is one of the ones, because this is the song when he turns into just completely bat crazy, because they come in and put a, uh, what do you call it, a straight jacket on yep. him? And a noose around his neck. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if they cut his head off on this one or not. You know, if it's guillotine. not this one, yeah, he has a guillotine scene in there somewhere. Exactly. What's interesting is Alice Cooper performed this song on The Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's wrong with our you yeah. today, guys, right there. <laughs> and we just did a Halloween special not too long ago, and this was named one of the 10 best Halloween songs. So, but we didn't do this song, so we, now we can't do it. But I just remember as a kid, you know, it, there were some bands out there that the guy, you know, it was accepted. You know, if you want to be accepted, you, you like these guys. Yeah, yeah. Alice Cooper was one of them. Uh-huh. Kiss was another. Mm-hmm. Elton John, this is where I grew up, and I loved all three of them, not because I wanted to be accepted. But I just enjoyed them. Oh, it's well, great music, yeah. All of those, to some extent, are kind of the uh, the glam the glam rock type, yeah. type of thing, which is continuing something we talked about at the beginning of the the show with um, you know the the way that disco was a big thing and and funk and and those kind of things. It was a fantasy type of thing. It was yeah. it was fun. Even this, you know, yeah, it's kind of macabre and gothic and all of that, but it's a fun type of. Uh, it's more of a, a scary story type of thing, more theater. And of course, I couldn't play. I couldn't bring that into my house. My parents were very, you know, they didn't want to bring that in. So I went to a friend's house and who had older brothers that played this, and man, I was just, in, I was just enjoying it as every day or every other day. I mean, it was great. Well, the lyric is "Welcome to my nightmare." I think you're gonna like it. I think you're going to feel you belong. We sweat and laugh and scream here. Listen to that. Scale. Mm-hmm. That sounds a little bit like uh, Edgar Winter right there, like Little Frankenstein. The song did not make Crack the Top 40. It did peak at 45. But if you're going to the show, you are going to see... A stage at the time cost over a half million dollars. It has dancers, giant spiders, skeletons, even a cyclops. Now, Wayne, if you recall, when we saw him, I think it's 2010 or 11 or whatever it was, his daughter was one of the dancers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this actually would go on to a special where Alice Cooper would do act as... The, the name guy, Steven, in Alice Cooper, The Nightmare, and it premiered on ABC. <laughs> Good family entertainment, if you ask me. I do remember him being on The Muppets. And that's the funny. film won an Emmy. <laughs> and that's what's like, oh my really? goodness, wow. Alice Cooper has an Emmy. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for that, Wayne. I'm going to bring the next uh, staff pick here. And my All question right. is, what would you say is the major genre influencing this song? Let it play a minute or a few seconds. I'm going to say disco. I'm going to say gospel. The influence? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think gospel's probably there. This is Take Me in Your Arms, Rock Me a Little While, written by Holland Dozier Holland. Oh, Motown. A couple of guys well-known for their Motown oh, yeah. singer-songwriter career. They were behind the Four Tops and the Supremes. Uh, we've covered the songs, that, some of the songs that they were responsible oh, yeah. for. Baby Love, Stop in the Name of Love, and You Keep Me Hanging On. And there was a singer named Kim Weston who was the first to record this. Okay. But this is the most well-known and best-selling version from June of 1975 by the Doobie Brothers. Yep. This is their off of their fifth album, and it's called Stampede, and it was released in April of 1975. This song made it to number 11 on the charts in June of 1975. I just love the way groups would take something and make it their own. Yeah. And I, I, at that time, really, you're not maybe five, ten years from when this out, the first song was written, and obviously it was more of a Motown, bebop type right, stuff. Right, right. And they really, they made it their own. But it's a great song. Yeah, this was Doobie Brothers. They were at their height. This is probably just before... They kind of went popish and brought in before know, Michael McDonald. Yeah. This was the last yeah. album before Michael McDonald yeah. became the lead. Yeah, Michael yeah. McDonald came in in 1975 because he was trying to help out Tom Johnson, who was having some health issues, and right. so they brought in Michael McDonald to kind of stand in for him, if you will. Now, I'm going to say that Wayne and I were actually right about the the gospel piece because, yeah, it's Motown. But Motown gets its yeah. influence from gospel. Yeah. Right. Well, Brian covered an album of the Doobie Brothers, and that was What Were Once Vices Are Now Habits. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. That was uh, episode number 96, by the way. Wow. Has it been that long? Yeah. And it was, we were covering February of 1974. Yeah. So that album came out previous to this one. That was South City Midnight. That was on there. Yeah. And of course, Blackwater. Yeah. One thing I do want to say, go back and download our, our old podcast. Because really, you may not recognize the songs or anything else. You may recognize the groups. But there are groups in there that I know that I brought that you have no idea who they are. But it, they are great albums. I'll say one thing here. Patrick Simmons, who played bass, he said at first the band sounded like the Grateful Dead doing the four tops, (laughs) but gradually it came together quite accurate. Amen. (laughs) All right, so now we're moving along to Brian's staff pick. What do you have for us, Brian? Here's something that you probably heard before. Oh, you recognize that, don't you? Ah, yes. I bring to you all America, not the country, but the band. This is one of the few America songs that the lyrics actually make a little bit of sense. You can actually understand them. Of course, their first single was in 1972, which went all the way to number one. 
A horse with no name. Does that sound familiar? It oh, does, yeah. and the lyrics make no sense at all. No. But I'll this one, you, this song, Brian, it reminds me of uh, George Harrison. The the the, uh, the guitar work sounds like George Harrison. Yeah. He kind of sounds a little bit like that. Right? Bit. I agree. This is Jerry Beckley and uh, Dan Peake, who became the duo when uh, they formed. And, of course, Peake left the band in 1977. But this scored a number, another number one. This is their second number one single. Um, and, and like I said, it's called Sister Golden Hair, which is a... Who is he speaking about? That's a $64,000 question, right? It's, it's a surprise. <laughs> this is the harmonies. I mean, that's some of their, that's that's some of their staples, aren't they? This does kind of sound like the Eagles, too. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say there's some slide guitar thing going on. Yeah. Well, this song was written and sung by Jerry Beckley. I said one of the founders. And he says it's based on, a, according to Song Facts, it's based on a composite of different girls. When asked if it was written to anyone, Beckley says, no, this is all poetic license. With Sister Golden Hair, as far as my folks were concerned, I was writing a song about my sister. And I couldn't quite fathom it. They must have listened to the lyrics some, you know, some other way. <laughs> One thing I have to say about this, this is a, a sitting outside, relaxing, sort of like war also. It's not something you're, you're really trying to just delve into and try to listen sort of like a, other groups that are coming on yeah. gas or prog rock groups. It's a chill out like, yeah, kind of song. Yeah, this is a chill. This is the relax. Have a drink. Mint julep. <laughs> little background music. Yeah. You know what I think? This is the kind of music, though, Wayne, that is perfect for your party barge. Yeah. Just peaceful on the, you know, yacht rock. Just, you know. Yeah, I could see it being a little yacht rock. Yeah. But you know what? This song was used in a bloody scene. Really? In the 2001 episode of the TV series The Sopranos. Uh, oh, really? I could see that. Called That's the kind Another of thing Toothpick. They did. That's the kind of thing they did, isn't yeah. it? Are they doing an oom bop or boo bop? I think they're saying Sopranos, Sopranos. No, I'm kidding. Sister Old Golden Hair also appears in the movies Cherish from 2002. Radio from 2003, and All the Boys Love Mandy Lane in 2006. All right. Now we're going to go back to the man who started it all today. What do you have for us, Bruce, for your staff pick? Let's see if you recognize this. Yes, I do. I like that guitar work right at the beginning. I have not heard this song in years, Bruce. Thank you so much All for bringing right. it back. This is the first hit single from Scottish pop band Pilot, and I thought we needed to redeem it from Big Pharma. I was going to say, I, I almost started singing Ozantics. Uh, Oz they've, they've done their job, haven't they? And I appreciate that being an ad guy, i got to tell you. Well, the... The inspiration was not a pharmaceutical pill. It was the sunrise on Blackford Hill in Edinburgh. Oh. But it's one of these songs outside of the commercial. I don't know that I've heard this in years. But it's a great song. Yeah. There was well, a T 
teeny bopper song, or one of those girls on those those Disney channels re-recorded this. Oh yeah, and made it a hit for young girls. You know, sort of. Well, the lead singer is named David Patton, David Payton, and he worked with the original lineup of the Alan Parsons Project. Uh, He also worked with a lot of other folks. He worked with Kate Bush, with Camel, with Rick Wakeman, which means all roads lead to, yes. But in all seriousness, I know, yeah, we hear the, the, the advertisement on TV, but I'm just glad to hear the original. Yeah. It's a real positive song. Yeah. I just looked up. It was Selena Gomez that did this song. Oh, did so she? she? Okay. She, 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 did it, she did a pretty good job of it, too. Well, this one, it's got, I actually thought this was ELO yeah. when I first heard it. Yeah. Because it's got that, that sound. But the guitar work is really good. You said this is their first hit. Did they have other hits? I don't remember. They them. did. They had a couple of other hits. Um, they were, they were not as big as this, and okay. they were only around for a short period. Yeah. They actually split up in 1977. Yeah. So they weren't around for that long, but it's a good sound. This was also in um, Pillsbury Dough commercial in 2007. <laughs> I think it's been in a couple of commercials. Yeah. Well, these songs are going to live forever. Ozampic and Pillsbury. There you go. (laughs) The gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) That's great. Thank you, Bruce. That was awesome. My pleasure. It was. Well, you usually take this time now to kind of go over stuff we've done before. We usually do a comedy song or a musical. This, ladies and gentlemen, is not a comedy song. This is the greatest country and western song ever written. I don't know how many times I've sang this song at closing time at a bar. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh, this was written by Steve Goodman and John Prine, although Prine requested to be uncredited because he felt like it was, you know, too much of a novelty song. A friend of but, mine went to go see David Allen Coe. Yeah. He sang the song. And I go, what did you ask me? Just, I didn't know you liked country. Because it's David Allen Coe, buddy. Come on. <laughs> I do want to tell you this, that how this song was written. And when I tell you, you will say, yes, that's exactly how this song was written. Uh, the, the writers were in Paul Anka's uh, suite at the Waldorf Astoria. And they mixed up a special cocktail punch in the sink with Dom Perignon, a little bit of brandy, a little bit of Jack Daniels, quite a bit of wild turkey, and some vodka and gin, and some punch and 7-Up. And they said the song was completed when they were just absolutely three (laughs) sheets to the wind. Well, I have to say I had the experience of a David Allen Coe concert in the December of 1982. In New Orleans on the Riverboat President. Well, now. Oh, wow. That sounds like a booze cruise to me. It was everything and. <laughs> I, 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 this was the theme song to a uh, spring break trip in college for me and some of my buddies. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, download this. You'll have fun. Look, here was my favorite part, guys. In your phone book. 
Hello. <laughs> All right, top hits of June 1975. Love will keep us together. Captain and Tennille. Captain Tenille. and I think that was the number one song of the whole year. For a long year. time. For the year. When Will I Be Love? Linda Rodstead. Wildfire. Michael Murphy. About a horse, I think, that got lost in a... Wildfire? Yeah. Keep calling wildfire. Yeah. I'm not Lisa. Jesse Coulter. I don't remember that song. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. I remember it, unfortunately. Love Won't Let Me Wait. Major Harris. A couple of things that happened in music of June of 1975. Ronnie Wood replaces Mick Taylor at the Rolling Stones. Yep. So... British rock guitarist Ricky, Richie Blackmore leaves Deep Purple and forms Rainbow. Speaking of Alice Cooper, he fell off the stage in Vancouver and broke six ribs. I think this is about the height of his... That was uh, when he started his decline, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah, he had a lot of alcohol. He's, he's been sober since, but, yeah. you know, yeah. The Rolling Stones opened their North American tour in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Brian, did you go to that? I was I was only 11 years old, pal. I did not. <laughs> you didn't have some cool parents to go, hey, let's go see the Rolling Stones, no. that devil music. We were still in Lake Charles, and they were not about to do anything like that. That's for sure. <laughs> the Talking Heads performed their first show, their first show at the CBGBs in New York. Well, he sat down and wrote another and Cher and Greg Allman got married in Las Vegas. And Shirley divorced, was it about less than a year? It wasn't even... Probably so. Well, I thought they had two kids. I know they had one. one. Okay. The, the son. This was, this was the best line this here. Is the this line. is the one we sang during spring break. Well, I was drunk <laughs> the day my mom got out of prison. <laughs> Jeff Bailey, may he rest in peace. God bless him. And Joe Lively and me just singing the, our, singing top of our lungs on the beach. What happened to her? She got robbed over by a damned old train. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the albums of... Uh, June 1975, the Eagles, one of these nights. Jefferson Starship, Red Octopus. Uriah Heat, Return to Fantasy. April Wine, Stand Back. Neil Young, Tonight's the Night. April Wine. (laughs) Stephen Stills had Stills. The Carpenters, Horizon. And Karen Carpenter does not get to do this. She does for her drumming, her singing. Everybody knows she's an angel. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff. We're in June of 1975. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you guys next time. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?